But I have a fantasy based on my, uh, based on, uh, I, out of my own experience, I've been thinking about, um, I've been thinking about the path of awareness, this path that we're all doing, with the intention of refining the qualities of the heart so that our experience will be different, our life will be different, and the world will be different. It's clear to me that all those need to be in there for me to be as inspired as I am about practice. And I'm also so convinced that practice is really hard, that not the practice of sitting, that's not hard, the practice of really developing an open heart and keeping it open, that's what's hard. Practice of not becoming impatient or losing it in any particular way, becoming impatient, giving in to greed, um, we talked a little bit last week, I remember, I, th I think it was the end of last week, where I said I would ask as the questions, one of the questions I would ask a spiritual teacher if I were interviewing spiritual teachers is, do you recycle? Did I, did I say that last week? I think I did. You know, and I wouldn't have known that to ask 25 years ago when I was starting. I wouldn't have asked, do you recycle? Do you levitate, maybe? Or <laughs> I, uh, frankly, I'm much more interested in recycling now than, uh, uh, you know, there are psychic talents that some people have, um, and I'm not sure how they do them, but uh, they won't save the planet, but recycling might. And out, uh, I, what, uh, my question would be not the particular of recycling, but the intention that motivates recycling, which is on behalf of all beings, is your practice on behalf of all beings. That's what I want to ask people. That really is the crux of it for me. So here's my fantasy. I'm pretty sure, well, I'll do it this way. I've thought about having a nine-fold path instead of an eight-fold path. <laughs> The Eightfold Path of Right Understanding and Right Aspiration to start you out on the practice and uh, right action, right speech, right livelihood to make a context for supporting, uh, first of all, supporting your intention and also supporting that composure of mind that comes from right action, right speech, and right livelihood so that we don't have guilt or shame in the mind, which would make it really difficult to see clearly, all of which would support the contemplative pieces of the, of the practice path of right effort, right, right mindfulness, right concentration. I think to myself, I like, I'd like to also add uh, right relationship to uh, that eightfold path, like make it a ninefold path. I think about how much my own life depends on uh, right relationship. Um, I'm thinking of it now as actually working in two ways. I'm thinking about the practice of relationship. Um, we all of us are in relationship, partnered or not, we're in relationship. We all of us have uh, friends and, I hope, close friends and confidants. And many of us live in partnered relationships. 
in which case it has all the support systems of a partnered relationship and all the possible conflicts of a partnered relationship, both of which are aspects, one of which holds you up and the other one provides um, grist for the mill. Um, that's a nice way to say it, isn't it? <laughs> um, but the sense of connections in the world that hold you up. Um, I, so he was my hand-folding fantasy. I have, a, I have a fantasy about holding hands. Um, I have this image that somebody's hands caught me as I got born. Somebody else's hands are going to put me in the grave when my life is over. In between, I think we get passed from hand to hand. I watch people in supermarkets uh, or in uh, shopping malls with young children, and you take them by the hand and you take them somewhere. Or uh, every once in a while, oh dear, there was that really heartbreaking photograph a couple of years ago, image on the television, I just now remembered, of uh, children being evacuated from a, a child care center. Um, under siege in Southern California by somebody who attacked. You saw a group of children being led by their teacher and all of them holding hands. And apart from the heartbreak of the whole situation, the extraordinary poignancy of these three and four-year-olds holding each other's hands to cross the street. Even as I tell you, my hair stands on end, doesn't yours? I think it's all one long handhold from the beginning to the end. That when I think about the hands that have held mine and the hands that I have held, and figuratively and actually, I haven't been sick in my life very much. I'm very fortunate in my health. And there have been not so many, uh, few occasions that I have needed to have anesthesia for something, be in hospital and have anesthesia. But I remember that in all of them, I said, hold my hand, didn't you? And somebody starts to do that, somebody needs to hold your hand. And somebody needs to be there on the other side when you wake up holding your hand. But I think it's one long hand-holding proposition from the beginning to the end. And I think we're so reassured when someone holds our hand. My mother died um, 42 years ago. And uh, I was in my early 20s at that time. But I remember uh, being a young adolescent and uh, walking with my mother and down shopping streets in Brooklyn. And it was her habit to hold hands. And I remember what the inside of my mother's hand felt like. 42 years after she died, but I remember what the inside of her hand felt like. Such a reassuring feeling holding somebody's hand. So here's my fantasy. 
a fantasy that suppose we all held hands and at a certain prearranged moment we held hands and we included everybody in this whole spirit rock and got everybody around and we made a line say so that the line reached out into Woodacre and then everybody in Woodacre could somehow hold hands and then hold hands over White's Hill and into Fairfax and so everybody would get in the line in Fairfax and hold hands and where there was a nursing home or a hospital or a school and people couldn't go out the line would loop through the building and everybody would be sure to be holding hands not sure how we would get across <laughs> oceans <laughs> but somehow or another I haven't figured that out past the ocean business. But maybe at some prearranged time, we could say, we, they have on various days, Earth Day or certain kinds of days, the whole world prays at a certain time. Suppose every single person on this landmass was holding hands at a certain time, all the way down through Mexico and Central America and all the way down through South America. Because every single person held hands. And suppose at that very moment, on every airplane in the air, everybody held hands. I held hands once on an airplane. Um, I was going, I was flying east, I remember, and uh, not talking to the person next to me, which is more unusual for me than... Um, <laughs> And going across the Rocky Mountains, and all of a sudden, with no prearranged alert, it was like riding on a on corrugated metal or something. Bump, 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 bump. For some considered month of time, it wasn't one bump or two bumps. It went on, went on long enough for me to turn to the woman next to me. And she turned to me, and we held hands. Nobody said anything. We held hands. Bum, 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 bum. And after seven, who knows? It's kind of like an earthquake. You don't know whether it's 10 seconds or 20 seconds. But it was enough time for us to look at each other, hold hands, and hold. And it came to the other end of it, and it settled down, and the pilot came on, and he said, um, excuse me, folks, that was a, uh, what did he call it? He said, sorry about that. He said, uh, that was a mountain wave, and uh, you don't see them in advance, so we can't tell you about it, but because it's a clear air turbulence, it's not, you know. But, so you can't know about them in advance, but everything seems fine now. But I, th I have remembered that woman and what she looked like until now. And we didn't talk, we just finished holding hands. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we continued the journey. And I, I don't know anything about her. You know, I think now well, I could have explored her whole life, was she might. All I know is that when chips are down, you want someone to hold your hand. And if the whole world would hold the hand, what if in the Middle East now, every single person held a hand up to the border and across? And the rule was, except for oceans, there are no boundaries. You know, when you fly over countries, you don't see boundaries. I, somebody told me a story about a child who flew from, with their parents, I guess from uh, uh, Oregon down to Florida, uh, Oregon to California, 
and was surprised looking out the window that it wasn't pink. Because, you know, when, when you look on a map, a kid's map, you know, Oregon is green and California is pink and Nevada is yellow, when it, because it's demarked that way. But it isn't pink, you know, it's the same. Uh, so that's my, that's my, that's my, that's my, that's my fantasy. That's the hand-holding fantasy. I think actually, I think that's a wonderful idea. We'll start in a minute to do that. <laughs> I think we'll start in a minute. We used to, the, the idea of we could, huh? We used to do that. You remember that? I'm sorry, I, have to, I didn't notice it was you. That, and we used to say our names. And then we got too many people. Okay, so we're starting today. Okay. Uh, we're starting today because that would be, it's not only a nice thing to do, it's a very important spiritual practice. Thank you very much. So maybe there's one more thing to say, and then maybe we'll do it. This is it. I don't think it's so revolutionary, that ninefold path. I think the Buddha knew about it. I think that um, it's echoed in uh, a conversation that's frequently quoted in which uh, Ananda, the chief of his disciples, says to him, is it true that uh, noble friendship is half of the holy life? And uh, he is said to have responded, no, it's not true, Ananda. It's the whole of the holy life. So that's really what I think. I think to myself, here's a teeny story that goes with it. Um, I met a woman whose work I know about who does conflict resolution in um, very difficult places in the planet. Um, a tremendously uh, respectful of not only her uh, energy in going to uh, the woman my age and going to these back and forth to very troubled spots in the Middle East in the Balkans and working and working and working and working on small group levels in conflict resolution and um, seems often like progress is happening and then something terrible will happen or progress will happen. It's a lot of, it seems like progress is being made and then there are setbacks and progress and setbacks and progress and setbacks. And I said to her, um, uh, do you, don't you get discouraged? And she said, I do, often. I said, what do you do when you're discouraged? And she said, I talk to my friends. And uh, that was such a meaningful answer to me. And it, we met in a, in a large group and a, other things were going on. We didn't really have time to pursue what that meant. But my sense of it, because I know it from my own life, I would give that answer, I talk with my friends. It's not that the friends give me any answers, uh, that the friends hear my question, or my friends hear my concern, or they, they hear my, 
um, they hear the fatigue in my mind. They hear um, they hear the doubt that is the reflection of wobbly mind. And they don't really need to say, oh, don't worry, it's going to be all right. First of all, they don't know it's going to be all right. Nobody knows it's going to be all right. You just do what you're going to do without knowing whether or not it's going to be all right. But they hear the mind wobble, because the mind wobble is what manifests as doubt. And so they're, they're saying, uh, they just, first of all, they hear what I say. That's enough. And if I'm heard, then the fear of nobody knows what I'm thinking, which is that it isn't going to be all right, is addressed. They know what I'm thinking. It hasn't frightened them. So their fear, their lack of fear in that moment is sustaining to me. It's like when someone holds your hand. And you're a child and you go to the dentist and you say, I'm afraid. And your mother holds your hand. She says, it's going to be all right. There's a magic about that. Somebody says, it's going to be all right. It is going to be all right. You don't say it's not going to hurt. Just say it's going to be all right. In the larger sense, though, it's all going to be all right. It can't not be all right. That's the place, really, of great understanding. It's all all right. It's all fine. And in the meantime, on every level from being a child up until whatever level or whatever moments at what level, because my sense is it isn't a level that we get to or stay at, when we know that it's all fine, sometimes, then sometimes we transmit that to other people. And if we can hold that place when they're not in that place, it's a handhold. And so that's actually, it's, it's, it's probably like the secret password phrase. It'll be okay. I'm remembering at this moment that my friend and colleague and teacher, Joseph Goldstein, says that his favorite mantra for himself while he's practicing is, it's okay, it's okay. Which is the equivalent of, give me a hand, it's okay. Um, so when I talk to my friends and they say, I hear you, doesn't mean that what I'm worried about coming to pass isn't gonna come to pass. It means it's okay. It means you can do this. This life is feasible, staying awake is feasible, Keeping hopeful that the whole world could change and become peaceful in the face of all kinds of evidence. is a feasible thing. As a matter of fact, it's the only thing. What's the, op- what, what, what's, what's the alternative? Giving up? I mean, it's, there isn't an alternative. We are in a life in a body, in relationship, on a planet, it's in trouble. What's the alternative? There is no alternative to hoping that one heart at a time would make a difference. So I think that's the part. I think the Buddha knew about the ninefold path. He just wrote it into the Eightfold One, implicitly. We don't need to improve on it. It's already there.
I wonder. We'll do a standing meditation in a minute and holding hands, but while we're sitting and looking at each other, I just want to tell you the practice. But we need one big circle. Don't look at who's next to you for a minute. Don't look at who's next to you. You might know. You might have already looked. <laughs> but don't look. Just feel their hands. And think to yourself, I don't know who belongs to this hand. Actually, change the, the way you're holding. Hold one way and then hold the other way. See if you feel it differently the other way. <laughs> Still not looking. No looking. It's a hand just like yours. It might be bigger or smaller. It's a hand just like yours. And attached to it is a person just like you. With a heart just like yours that has the potential of really opening, becoming transparent, available, welcoming. What if the whole world could come and visit in your heart at any time? Like you were having an open house all the time, serving good wishes. And people could come and visit all the time. Probably be the most popular place in the neighborhood. And you would feel good because you'd have so many visitors. What if the whole world did it? Imagine visually we, in our neighborhoods, could walk around at night. They weren't bars on the doors. The doors were open. If we really could say, anyone who's hungry, come and eat. If everyone who were, hung were hungry could come and eat, and everyone were welcome, nobody would fight. They would be frightened. We'd all be taking care of each other. The whole world could be taking care of each other. If you think of the end of the Metta Sutta, just as a mother would give her life to protect her child, her only child, just so should we towards all beings boundlessly open our hearts with loving kindness towards all beings in all directions. We could boundlessly open our hearts. Suppose we imagine that as a greeting card 
for the whole world. We could address it to the whole world. May all who are hungry come and eat. May all beings be free of danger. May all beings have minds filled with happiness. May all beings have bodies that are resting without struggle at whatever age they are, in whatever stage of their life, with a whole full appreciation of their body and its capacities, whatever those are right now. May all beings have ease of well-being. They have a place that shelters them when they need shelter. Enough food to eat. Medicines that they need. Not afraid in their daily lives. for what they need to take care of themselves to live. And then may all beings grow in understanding and wisdom and out of their own contentment and happiness reach out and hold hands with everyone else. could open our eyes and imagine as uh, we sign that greeting card with each of our names and say them loud and both names really like we're signing one of those voting petitions outside of a supermarket both names all your names that when we finish that all over the world every single person speaks out their whole name and somebody else hears it we are just starting the voting petition. So we have Worstein. Linda Graham. Erin Sheffield. Leah Antipas. Vicki Darrow. George Ed Connington. Barbara Connington. And Bryce Frederick. Ellen Cashin. Kelly Jacobson. John Doyle. Maggie Blasters. Bruce Kelly. Juliette Anthony.
Thank you. 